That's okay. Let's just nut up. Okay. Don't put that in the podcast. What were you saying about nail polish? That it immediately makes you like incredibly uncoordinated because you're like trying not to smudge it so you like can't grab things in a normal way. Look at this insane way I'm grabbing the microphone right now. Like, okay. Yeah, you look like a seal. Yeah, or like a robot that's like trying to learn human motion. They say women do makeup for other women and they dress sure. for other women. Who, yeah, sure, they say that. They say. Lesbians. Lesbians say that, right? <laughs> I hope lesbians like the fact that you look like a seal right now. If any lesbians out there want a seal-looking bitch, seal-team bitch. Call the Talmud Hotline. Don't call the Talmud Hotline a minimum monogamous relationship. Oh, right. I mean, you can still make that hotline bling, but it can't be requited, you know, mm-hmm. it'll be unrequited bling. Some people are into that. If you wish to yearn, right. And some of them want to abuse you and some of them want to be abused. Yeah, right. That's the opposite. <laughs> Sorry, it's always hard to remember the sweet dream recipe. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird since we work in the sweet dream factory. <laughs> I know. The sweet dream productions. Well, listeners, welcome back to the sweet dream factory. That is the Hi, How Are You podcast studio. And by podcast studio, I mean my bedroom. That's true. It's very glamorous. Yeah, it is glamorous. I recently got a desk thanks to a lovely friend so just so the listeners can thirst a little bit like let's describe like we got a um, a king-size bed yeah we got a king-size bed a bookshelf full of high quality fantasy sci-fi and jewish texts oh yeah house plants as far as the eye can see crystals a big mirror are you a crystal bitch I am a crystal and plant bitch, yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I majored in crystals and plants. At, at least you're diversifying your Vassar. portfolio. <laughs> Vass her. Vass her. That's right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Wow. I hope our editor is kind to us. We'll see how he feels. Yeah. Um, anyway, welcome back to the Dream Factory. Michael, how are you? Oh, how am I? Had a lot of emotions. I mean, today I feel pretty, pretty good. The mornings are easier for me. I know. Evenings I think about my old misses, you know? Your old flame. My old flame and the mistakes I made and mm-hmm. the mistakes she definitely made. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> You're awful. No, no, no. It was, it was, you know, yeah. It was a good relationship, but you know, think about that. Mm-hmm. First unemployment check came in. Mazel tov. Yeah. I'm sure sure many of our listeners know that feeling sadly or maybe well, happily i don't know in some complicated late capitalist emotion i'm gonna celebrate by buying groceries oh, yeah. give me the sweet groceries might go to the butcher shop on the east side and just you know get us a brisket listeners michael really wants to go to this butcher shop on the east side of providence which i think is a very pretentious enterprise but this is not a pretentious butcher shop at all i know but to go to a butcher shop so far away from your home to go to the east side at all listeners in providence the east side is the rich part of town it's where brown university is and RISD. and RISD. i try to go there as little as possible but my goal cursed being that he is it feels free to go there these side is where they make the future scabs that will uh not join your coalition at the end of the day my room is the dream factory and the east side is the scab factory and that's all there is in providence there you go a little bit of a uh, manchurianism uh, yeah a little bit yeah that's where they make the manchurian candidates <laughs> except instead of working for china they're just working for themselves mm, rise and grind 
deep cuts here. Okay, yeah, how before are we you? get too off track, yeah, let's yeah, focus yeah. on me. Let's get back to the main event. Me. The main course. Hava, what are your sides this evening? I don't know how to answer that question, but here's the other thing that I was planning to say before you asked me an absurd question. <laughs> I wonder if you might be perky this morning because you have contact high from how perky I am. I think it helps. I think I do feed off of the uh, happy energy of my friends. Yeah. Listeners, if you follow me on Instagram, which you should, at Slothwitch, uh, you would see on my Instagram story that I just restarted Wellbutrin, which is an antidepressant. My doctor prescribed it for depression, anxiety, which, you know, like the combo, the classic combo, the Happy Meal. Yeah, so I took my first dose of this round of Wellbutrin yesterday evening, and I only got five hours of sleep. I woke up at 4.30, and I'm jacked. I'm positively vibrating with perk. So is it just energy or is it energy and happiness? I feel happy. I don't feel particularly happy in this moment. Like I feel good. I feel normal, you know, which in a way is better. (laughs) It's more secure, you know, to feel joyous would be a little bit unnerving. Although earlier at five this morning, I was sitting over in this desk chair, literally like dancing around as I did my little like admin errands on the computer i was like singing a song in my head bopping around so wow i know baruch hashem and also bezrat hashem i will only become perkier i'm excited to uh get my psychiatrist and maybe yeah michael wants to get on wellbutrin we're a wellbutrin household yeah in this house Mm -hmm. we take wellbutrin (laughs) that is accurate i'm really excited about the piece of talmud should we jump into it yeah 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 um it's gonna be a long one So last episode, we talked about the Affordable Care Act. That's right. Which was this great story where Choni came up to a dude and was like, why the fuck are you planting a carob tree? That carob is not going to bear fruit for a long time. And the dude was like, when I came into the world, it was full of carob trees, which were planted by my ancestors. And so I plant carob trees for my descendants. And Choni was like, what? Mind blown emoji. Mm-hmm. There's more to that story. That's setting the scene. Honey just mouthed off and got told and had his mind blown. We find ourselves once again, Masechet Anit, page 23a. Honey sat and ate bread. That's the first thing he does after he gets told off. Sleep overcame him and he slept. A cliff formed around him and he disappeared from sight and slept for 70 years. I know. Oh my God. I know. So he was encased in stone. When he awoke, he saw a certain man gathering carobs. Tony said to him, Are you the one who planted this tree? And the man said, I am his son's son. Choni said to him, I can learn from this that I have slept for 70 years. And indeed, he saw that his donkey had sired several herds during those years. (laughs) What? (laughs) So let's just... What? Take a moment. <laughs> Let's just take a moment to talk about this paragraph. So Honey was canceled by a magical cliff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he was canceled by the carib BA, the caribur. The caribur? The, the caribou. Would the caribou like actually cast a caribou spell on him? Like, <laughs> no, how does it work? I don't know. We have no explanation for why Honey was encased in stone. In a cliff. In a cliff. Not a plateau, not Mm -mm. a mountain, not a pillar. It's interesting that the donkey in this case, it's not that he had a herd of donkeys and that produced more and more. He had one donkey. 
And that donkey had many descendants by the time he awoke 70 years later. How? Okay, that donkey is at least 70. Right, right. How did he know the donkeys were the children of his donkey also? Oh, when you've lived with a donkey, (laughs) you know. I can't say that I have. You gotta look, you gotta, you know, a mother can tell her children. (laughs) Her grandchildren. Her grandchildren. Yes. Also, how did he know merely by meeting the grandson of the carob dude? How did he know that that equals 70 years? It's like, oh, a grandchild. All right. It's been exactly 70 years. A grandchild and donkeys as far as the eye can see. That's that paragraph. Now Mm. let's get to the even juicier paragraph. I don't know what's juicier than donkeys, but keep going. (laughs) Uh, what's juicier than that ass? So, Choni went home and said to the members of the household, Is the son of Choni alive? And they said to him, His son is no longer with us, but his son's son is alive. And he said to him, I am Choni. And they did not believe him. He went to the study hall and heard the sages say about one scholar, His halachot are as enlightening and clear as in the years of Choni, for when Choni was here, he would enter the study hall and would resolve for the sages any difficulty. He said to them, I am he. I am Choni, the one who satisfied these difficulties. And they did not believe him, and they did not pay him proper respect. So now we're going to get into our original language quote, so I'm going to get into the... Hebrew and Aramaic here. His temperament, his whole body became weak and sick when he heard of this lack of recognition. He asked for mercy. And he died. Whoa. Yes. So that's topic one is God assisted suicide. And then we have a little moral of the story coming up here. Amar Rava Hayenu de Amri Anche O Kavruta O Mituta. Rava says this explains the common saying that people say either friendship or death. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I know. Yeah. It's just the way it works. So, stories is bonkers. One thing that I was thinking about that is happening literarily here is Choni questions the carob dude. Choni is like, why are you planting this tree? You don't know if it's ever going to bear fruit. In the end, his descendants do gather the carobs from that tree. So it does bear fruit and it does feed his descendants just as that man predicted. Choni, on the other hand, sleeps for 70 years and it's revealed to him that in 70 years, no one believes he is who he says he is. So Choni, we may assume, thought that he was so smart, but in the end, it was proven that he would not reap the fruit of his work in his lifetime. I just think the story is setting up Choni as sort of a guy who's too big for his britches yes he thinks he's smart enough to tell off this carob guy Mm -hmm. but ultimately the carob guy has a normal life and his descendants reap the benefits of his labor i guess so that Choni's descendants reap the benefits of Choni's labor in the bait midrash but they dismiss him in the same way that he dismissed right he ends up dismissed that's the problem he ends up in ignominious state ultimately what Choni's crime is is <laughs> not having respect for filial duty or intergenerational responsibility and then when he arrives the irony is they don't have piety for him mm-hmm. and he dies so it's like they commit the same crime that he commits yeah and it's like dude you reap what you sow which in this case was not carobs but arrogance arrogance right i buy that I think it's really interesting that Choni 
prayed for mercy and died is how Steinsalt chose to translate it. That he was like, well, God, go ahead. Oh, okay. This makes sense. Okay. Okay. He was asking for mercy. I heard you, you know, in my yeah. mind, I was saying asking for mercy from the other Oh, scholars. no. It's, it's implied. The word is literally asked, so it's not clear who he's asking, but the fact that it's asked and then he's immediately killed rather than not like, oh. it doesn't mention who does the killing. So there's sort of an implication there that it's prayer. So there is an implication that he learns his lesson. He understands what he did wrong mm-hmm. 70 years ago. Maybe. He's asking for mercy from God for the situation. And the version of mercy is that he dies. Yeah, that's fine. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not, you know. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Whatever it takes. It seems like Rava is saying the moral is like friendship or death. The word here, chavruta, is what we use for the learning relationship between Talmud students. So there could also be something about how life is not worth anything without a learning partner in Talmud. I would have assumed that if it was going to do an or death kind of thing, that it would be like the filial duty or death. Right. Intergenerational responsibility or death. I know. It's funny that like this sort of makes it seem like an after school special. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Like this is an episode of the Magic School Bus where the Magic School Bus makes fun of a dude who's planting carobs and gets encased in a cliff for 70 years to teach it a lesson about friendship. And Rava's like, and that's why don't do drugs and be nice to your friends. This episode was written by the execs and not good writers. (laughs) This is fucking fan service. There must have been a writer's strike. I'm really glad we talked about this piece today (laughs) because I forgot how great the finale of the Choni story is. Soon we're going to be doing another episode with Binya. We're going to go on another sort of connection to this story that gets into some other magical shit in some other parts of the Bible. Oh, I can dig it. It's going to be great. And now I'm just looking for my phone so I can read our fan mail. Oh, yes. We have fan mail. A letter from a fan. Yes, it's true. Would you like to read it? Yeah, I'm working on it. We're very delighted to receive this fan mail, and that's why we're sharing it. Hi there. This is patron number 62. The result of Michael doing marketing and sales on OKC instead of flirting. This is a great podcast and very meta. What I mean by that is the Talmud itself is commentary by mere mortals, a bunch of hot takes, a retrofit of the word of God, and as such, one, a pretty queer endeavor, and two, an ancient podcast of sorts. Those first couple episodes about Esther and Polly Purim are mind-blowing, and I've been chasing that high ever since. Queer rabbis were also briefly mentioned at some point. I feel you're holding back from me all the queer characters in the Tanakh. Please make more episodes about who else was queer. Thanks. Patron number 62. P.S. The song is amazing. Oh. Well, dear devoted patron number 62. Yes. I would first and foremost just like to confess my undying love to you and to all of our patrons, but particularly to you for sending this email. I loved getting it. It was very exciting. The good news is that episode I just mentioned that we're going to do with Binya is going to be about gay rabbis. It won't be about gay characters in the Tanakh, but it will be about gay historic Jews. Your wish shall be granted. And also, I really appreciate you saying that the podcast is really meta. I always want it to be that way. I want the podcast to be like our own little Talmud. Like we are creating new outgrowths of the Talmud. I appreciate that you recognize that. I feel seen. Thank you, listener. I think that brings us to Michael's Jewish journey. Well. Michael. This morning, I told you to do something Jewish. And you said, Ah! I'm anxious. 
done as if anxiety in itself is Jewish. Mm -hmm. So now I call upon you to defend that viewpoint. Why are the Jews anxious? Why are the Jews anxious? Or why do you think the Jews are anxious? Or why do you think anxiety is Jewish? There's a lot of ways to go with that. But the first two that come to mind are the OVs, intergenerational trauma. Right. Got some of that. I am also, as you know, a fan of the dark psychological motives behind everything. Right. It's true. Michael is always trying to explain how all of our daily behaviors are a result of our deeply fucked up animal instincts Mm -hmm. and like trauma i think anxiety for ashkenazi jews comes from at some level feeling guilty for tying ourselves to the yoke of christianity to survive Hmm. well that seems not universal for ashkenazi jews that makes sense in some cases but i don't think that's a universal history of Ashkenazidom. It's not just like Jews doing a kind of partial assimilation that like allows us to survive and ride the Christian train to our own survival. I also think it's Christians own personal anxiety of like knowing that at some unconscious level they need to have Jews around in order to validate them. I hear what you're saying about Christians because I do think there's this, especially in white Christianity or particularly in white Christianity, this usage of jews as sort of like useful artifacts yeah we're useful yeah we're beautiful little like trinkets which is very gay by the way to be a trinket well i just think christian's conception of jews is whether they know it or not a very gay like we are beautiful aesthetic objects to be like (laughs) worship you're giving a lot of credit to the predominant Christian conception of Jews. Not all of them are philo-Semites. Some of them are anti-Semites. I mean, philo-Semitism is anti-Semitism, but... Well, you know what they say, even bad publicity is still publicity, right? Oh my gosh. Isn't hate just a twisted, fucked-up version of love and jealousy and, like... No. Wanting to be validated by the thing that won't validate you. You know how, like, a bickering couple can stay together for 50 years, even though it's, like kind of a little unhealthy but it still holds itself together for some reason yes i kind of think of that as the partnership between judaism and christianity and it's like we mutually survive together in this like bickering relationship and you think that is the source of deep-rooted jewish anxiety i think so it could be just another rephrasing of intergenerational trauma right i mean the trauma of assimilation yeah the trauma of assimilation and the trauma of knowing that you're kind of kept around as validation by the powerful group. So you're saying history makes you anxious. Yes, history. All of history All makes of history me anxious. haunts me. There's a ghost haunting Michael. Yes. And it's history. Well, listeners, you probably didn't hear it here first, no. but you've heard it here now. The Jews are anxious because we exist in a precarious relationship of assimilatedness relative to non-Jewish culture. There you have it. That's Michael's Jewish journey for today. I yearn for the shtetl. Do you, though? Mm. I mean, you're kind of fancy. I mean, I, I love weighted blankets. Uh, I don't think you're a shtetl fetishizer. I think you like the cushy life you have now. Be the shtetl you wish to see in the world. Oh, wow. I Sorry, I just accidentally saw a picture of a Mickey Mouse ball. <laughs> Look at it. Oh, right. wow. It's incredible. Okay, let's wrap this fucking show up. All right, okay. Okay, listeners. Well, it's been a delight to speak to you all every night as we fall asleep we think of each and every one of our beautiful listeners yep and if you 
ever think of us, then you should call us on the Talmud Hotline. Please, people. Please. Or text us. Or text us. Give them the number, Hava. 401-484-1619. And also, join the Patreon. We did some patron-only content recently in the form of a fashion photo shoot of Michael's Jewish Fashions, and we're going to do some patron-only audio content soon. So, gird your loins. Mm-hmm. Gird them good. You know, fall asleep for 70 years and get encased in a cliff. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, we adore you. Uh, Buenas semanas que tengas and Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. Bye.